Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including Jenna Jacobs McPartland, who shares her story about love, loss, and how she moved forward after her husband passed away in 9-11. Or last week's episode where Laura McCarthy of My Styled Life shares her stories and suggestions about what worked and didn't for her as a single mom. She also had some styling tips at the end as well. If you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends. And do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get ranked and thus get noticed. And now for this episode, I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to Michelle Vig of Neat Little Nest and author of The Holistic Guide to Decluttering. Michelle has always been a superwoman, a high-powered strategic marketer with a tireless work ethic. She received big awards, top promotions, and reached her dream of being a CMO for a big brand, as well as being a wife, a mom, a community volunteer, and a really incredible friend. However, a near stroke caused her to reevaluate her lifestyle, which laid the groundwork for Neat Little Nest, her organizational and decluttering empire. Michelle shares with us her health struggle and reflects on how holistically decluttering, not just our stuff, but our time and mind can lead to transformational changes. Michelle's insights are helpful no matter what roles you play in life. She's brilliant, incredibly thoughtful, and shares her tips and philosophy for helping you find your desired life. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I am so excited for our guest today. I met Michelle Vig of Neat Little Nest 25 years ago, so in some ways, I feel like I've been preparing for this episode for over 20 years. See, we met at our first job. She had just graduated from the University of Minnesota and came from the well-known Minnesota Daily newspaper. And for some reason where we worked, everybody talked about it. And you knew that if you had somebody who came from the Minnesota Daily, they were a superstar. And trust me, that is what Michelle was back then. And that is who she is and that much more now. See, I started as the PR girl and she was in marketing and we both grew in different directions, but always had the same connection and vibe, which actually got us to become close friends. So as our careers went in slightly different directions, I went PR, she went marketing, her career post our Sesame Street Live days began to skyrocket. She worked for big brands, made herself up and through and leading all 
on the executive level with big brands from Buffalo Wild Wings to Caribou Coffee. She has been recognized throughout the country and especially in Minnesota where she's from as 40 Under 40 in Minneapolis-St. Paul's Business Journal. And she was also showcased as a top 50 women in business. She has always been a visionary since those days, probably at the Minnesota Daily. And she is still that and so much more today. See, she's always had this passion for organization. And years ago when she was at Caribou, she started a blog. And then as she was going through her corporate career and her story that she'll tell you about, she decided to move on and live her passion. And so Neat Little Nest, the company was born. Neat Little Nest, it's a full service organizational solution company whose mission is to help people simplify their lives. She has her first book coming out this September called The Holistic Guide to Decluttering, where she shares this philosophy on working on physical mind, and time clutter. And if you do that together, it can bring about a transformational change. Now, I am really excited that she's here, not just because she is such an inspirational woman in the workplace, entrepreneur, but also she has been my best friend. And here's the part where you guys know that I love to tear up because it just comes from my heart and comes from my soul. Michelle has been incredibly influential in my life. And so that is why I'm so excited and proud that her business is doing so well. And it is truly a part of her heart and her soul to help not only me, not only her family and friends, but also the world. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Karen. I'm so happy to be here. It is, it's an honor. I am a big fan of your podcast, so I'm glad that I could be on it. Well, as I said, I am so excited that you're here because so many people have learned an incredible amount from you, not just in your corporate career, but also with everything you've been doing with A Neat Little Nest. But before we begin, can you share with us a little bit about you personally? What Something that maybe your close friends know. I mean, I challenge you to stump me, but that might not be any fun. But what is something fun about you that you can share with the Happiness Through Hardship podcast listeners? Something that a lot of people don't know about me, my brothers do. So I have three brothers, grew up with them. And when I was about 11 or 12 years old, it's hard for me to remember exactly the age, but I didn't think it was fair, which became a theme of my life with men and women. I didn't think it was fair that my brothers could take their shirts off in the summer <laughs> and that I and that I couldn't. And so my mom, who, as you know, she would never say she's a feminist or a woman's advocate, but she actually didn't stop me. So I went for days <laughs> around my neighborhood, riding a bicycle without my shirt on. And, um, it spoke a lot about me and my belief that women can be everything they ever have ever wanted to dream they could be. And about my mom and the way that I was raised in a, uh, in a way that, you know, let me know that I could have my own ideas. Well, that I'm picturing you and your brothers riding around the neighborhood, you know, everybody's shirtless, uh, but. And, and that's making me laugh out loud. But to your point, it really is amazing how 
what our experiences are at a young age is so transformative in who we become. And, you know, I know when we started in our career together and we'd be excited about our achievements, I know for me, even to this day, sometimes I still want to call my mom and be like, hey, mom, guess what I did? Guess what? Because I just grew up in a in a similar but different way than you did where my parents helped me become the woman that I have today. So will you share with the listeners a bit about your career? So while I did tee it up in the intro, you've had an incredibly successful corporate career, but clearly, as many of us know who've worked for any type of organization, that comes with its challenges as well. So talk to us a little bit about your career and what led you to take a different direction then with it? Sure. So I, I was in college. I'm going to tell a little bit, a little story about when I was in college, because it, it actually helps tee up what happened in the last three years. So I was in my final quarter of college, and I was on a path to be in advertising and marketing. That was my major. That's what I was going to do. And I just had, I'd taken this course about design, designing interiors, and I loved it. I loved it so much that I felt like my soul was telling me to to follow that path. So I went to my counselor. Again, this is a quarter before graduating from college. And I said, I really think that I would like to go into interiors and design. And my counselor said, you absolutely can. It's going to require at least an additional two years. And I, I said, you know, well, everyone knows what I said. I didn't. (laughs) I said, you know what? Advertising and marketing is the real road for me because people have been asking me my entire life, you know, up to 18, 19, 20 in college, What kind of job do you want? What kind of job do you want? And I was answering the same question over and over. I want to be a CMO. I want to be a CMO. So Mm -hmm. after I decided to, you know, not change my course of education, I decided in my heart, and and I would tell anyone who would listen, I want to be a CMO. I will tell you, I don't even, I'm not even sure I exactly knew what a CMO was (laughs) um, at the time, but that's what I wanted to be. And I kept answering that question and for, for, you know, and you know the story, but for decades, I followed that path. So I worked on a lot of retail brands over the course of my career. I worked on advertising, media strategy. As I left the agency world, I, w- I was able to work on the client side for marketing strategy. And then also inside of product development, innovation for some really big brands in Minnesota including the ones you mentioned, Buffalo Wild Wings and Caribou Coffee. It was, as I rose to, and I did, I was, I'm, I'm happy to say that I was able to achieve my goal in my mind of being a chief marketing officer. But I will tell you, that is kind of when the hardship for me started a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, and it's all upon reflection afterward, you know, that it becomes really clear. Right. But I... I got that job 
it was a wonderful opportunity. I loved the people I worked with. I loved working at Caribou. There was something in my soul that wasn't quite right. I was under an, an extreme amount of stress, uh, working an extreme amount of hours, an amount of hours that, you know, aren't, isn't really healthy. Uh, it turns out, you know, the doctors would tell me that as well. I can share with you a little bit of, about that story. So I was working a ton of hours and, you know, preparing for board meetings, presenting to the board. And I liked the challenge, but my body was, the stress I was under and the constant need for achievement. You know, we had um, seven consecutive years of same-store sales growth when I was at Caribou Coffee. And, the, and you know, that amount of growth and, and pressure to continually beat yourself can be a lot of stress on a person. And it, it started to take its toll on me, um, for sure. And we were about to go to a board meeting and I didn't, I started not feeling really very good. I sent my husband a text saying something wasn't exactly right. Um, he then said, you know, finish what you're doing. I came home. I called the doctor. I said, I'm not feeling quite right. Uh, I think I should come in. I was feeling numbness in my arm. I was feeling numbness in my leg. Um, and they told me I needed to get to immediately to the hospital because they were afraid I was having a stroke. And I actually kind of laughed it off. I told, I told my husband, Dan, I said, you know, I, I can't be having a stroke. I'm too busy. You know, I, I got a board meeting. I'm too busy. I got a board meeting. And um, he's like, well, well, let's take you in. And they said, you know, we need a wheelchair. I'm like, I don't need a wheelchair. I can walk myself in. So I did. So I walked myself in. and. Um, they put me through a bunch of tests, and it turned out that I had um, a vertebral artery dissection in my neck. And what that means is, at the time, my venerologist looked at me and said, you know, you need to take two weeks off of work starting today. And I had shared with her that, you know, I could take a couple of days, but I couldn't take a couple of weeks. And at that point, she looked at me very clearly, and my husband was there and said, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You are at high risk of stroke right now. You need to take two weeks off. You need to de-stress and we need to watch you. That was the beginning of the next point of my life. So my career up to that point was all of these things, working hard, putting in the hours, putting in the extra hours, putting in the extra, extra hours. And in all accounts and all accolades, you would say that I was successful. And I was, except there was something pulling at my heart that, you know, you, I couldn't keep going Not this way. From your heart, from your health. And as I know, as somebody who knows you, once you move in another direction, you start to realize all the things that you never saw. Some of the things that you realize you want in your life. So tell us about how you, I know that there were those three weeks that you couldn't work and how then you had to go back at that time. How did you make some changes and what did that feel like? 
I did make some changes. It felt a little unnatural. I have to be honest. People were very kind and considerate and helpful. Um, there was this this sense, though, as time went on, that um, you know the 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 balanced life that I would probably need long term, and everyone should have. Let me just say that is one that I wasn't going to get in the in the role that I was in in the career that I was in. Right. And that's when I started to really think about, well, what if I always, what if I answered a different question? What if instead of answering the question, what kind of a job do you want? I actually answered the question I should have been answer, you know, asking myself since I was 18. And I wish people would have asked me. And that is what kind of a life do you want to create for yourself? What, is, what kind of a life do you want? Because once I started writing down, and I actually shouldn't say started, we were on a executive retreat a couple years before my health incident. And the executive leadership of Caribou was asked to go through a process where you were to tell, you were to dig deep in your heart and your soul, and you were to dig up what it is that you should do with your life. And I remember very clearly, I was a chief marketing officer at a big company, had a great job, loved the people I worked with, loved the leader I worked for. And I told my buddy at work, you know, I keep writing down I want to be a professional organizer. And he was like, what are you talking about? This is just, it's almost like, you know, career suicide. (laughs) That's when he suggested you should just write a blog. You know, kind of probably thinking like maybe she just needs to work this out. Right, just an outlet. So that's what, yeah, and that's what I did. I started the blog at that point from his direction. And um, actually, when I replay the timeline, I don't know if I was actually the chief marketing officer at the time. I was probably one level below that, but on that path. And so I did that. And once I was, once I transitioned out of Caribou Coffee is when I worked, you know, I talked to my husband and I really said, as I'm facing the, the back half of my career and my life, what is it that I'm looking for? So for me, the hardship was kind of saying goodbye to what, not only what everyone else knew me as, but what I knew myself as. It's not as easy as you think to be an entrepreneur in general, but it's certainly much more difficult. It was for me, especially in this market of Minneapolis, people knew me for one thing for Mm -hmm. decades. And they expected th- certain things out of me. There were some leaders who actually were, were not very supportive of me making this change because they couldn't understand why I would give up the money, the titles, the growth. Um, and I think it's because they were still answering the question of, well, what kind of job do you want? Right. And I had begun to answer a new question. So for all those people out there that might have, very well, especially in now's time, people are going through such stress in their lives about a lot of different things, but definitely about their career and about jobs, knowing that the job market is 
is really tough right now. How would you tell people to that they could handle stress through career, whether it's a transition or just putting one foot in front of the other, knowing what you went through and where you are now? So that's a great question. I'm going to correlate it to one of the reasons I wrote the book I wrote, The Holistic Guide to Decluttering. So after about a year and a half of taking the transition and helping people organize their homes, which was a huge passion of mine, I found, and it was the right calling for me. I'd realized that my call was actually bigger. When I was in these homes with these usually moms, working, working parents, working mothers, and seeing the stress on their face that I knew, mm-hmm. I knew that I could help in a bigger way. Because it's not just the clutter in your house that gets in people's way. It is the mental clutter and the time clutter. And those pieces, without having a clear sense of what kind of life that you're looking for, you you might not use, you might not take the steps required to really do some wholesale changes in your life. You might just be, you know, on the path and not even really be thinking about how you got on there and if you want to stay on there. So as it comes to stress management, to answer that specific question, to me, it goes a question before that, which is, is the stress caused from you being in the wrong seat? Or is the stress caused from you needing tools and tips to help you in the seat you're in? And they're very different questions. And I would say in my experience, having worked with a lot of people and led a lot of people over the course of my career, there's just as many people who are anxious and stressed and having a difficult time because they're in the wrong seat as there are people who are in the right seat and just need tools to work through it. And as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm oftentimes speechless when you have such wise words, which I feel fortunate that I get a lot. When you, don't say me, anybody starts thinking about, is this right for me? Where do you suggest they go? Because that is a daunting, you know, I, th- I think as I say this, my first thought is, you know, you're going to tell me to go write it down, right? To start journaling. The Knowing that these are two different right. questions, two different directions, can we start there and talk a little bit about how, whether it was you and your thoughts when you went a different direction or, you know, these people it always starts in the same spot. To me, it's always in the same spot. And it is listening to your heart and listening to your soul. People know when it doesn't feel right. You hear that. You hear people say, yeah. it doesn't feel right. When things are really difficult, you have to ask yourself, is it actually, do I need tools to help me get through this difficulty? or?" Is it really, I'm in the wrong spot? So you always have to, it always goes back to listening to your heart, to truly listening to your heart. Well, and of course, I, there's lots of tools that you talked about, writing it down, telling a friend, getting it out of your head, getting it on paper. 
But, you know, what I always suggest for people, and this is available at meetlittlemess.com, because, um, you know, I believe in this wholeheartedly, is starting with drawing up a picture of what you want your life to look like and, and grading it in dimensions of your life. And once you have that picture, then you can start listening, you know, give yourself some space to listen to your heart. Well, and I will say that for me, when I was on a corporate path as well, where I, you know, our stories are different, but similar, where I had this idea in my mind, some, something I wanted to achieve, and I was always wanted to be that superstar, and that was really important to me. I was running so fast and sleeping so little that I did not give myself the mental space to even listen to myself. And so I, I know, which is why writing it down for me has been this, this way that I can be in silence with myself, but yet try and figure out what I'm really thinking. Because oftentimes if I'm sitting by myself, sometimes I start, my mind start, starts wandering. And so I think that's why writing has been really helpful for me. I, I will tell you the other tool that I, that you were um, mentioning is the, my desired life that you have, you know, that you mm-hmm. speak about, that you do in seminars, that you have online, that has been mm-hmm. a powerful tool for me because you've got these various categories that you list, mm-hmm. you know, family, career, spiritual, whatever it, it might be. In that, not only was I trying to think about how I was prioritizing these categories, but also then I was actually like lining up, okay, what am I going to do as it relates? If this is my priority, how does, you know, how does this relate to what I'm actually doing? And I found that to be really yeah. helpful. Yeah. And I think that's where the big ahas come from, Karen, is when people look at, when I looked at, when I did the My Desired Life for myself, early out of leaving corporate, the, the section of the pie that I spent most of my time was work. The other pieces of the pie that were supposed to be important to me, I was giving no attention to them. My health, thankfully, because of my health scare for the last couple of years at Caribou, I did prioritize my health. But I prioritized my health, which means something else had to give. Um, in that, in you know, a circle is a circle, right? You can't just make it, you can't just get more time. You only have so many hours in a day. So for me, when you prioritize certain other things above what you had before, so if I prioritize my health, that means I had to take away from the work bucket because the work bucket was mm-hmm. was taking up almost the whole circle. Too much. Well, again, it, it's it was eye-opening for me, and I think from conversations we've had or I know feedback you've received is to be actually see it in front of you. It just makes you more mindful of the choices that you are making. Can you talk to us a little bit about support? So when somebody is looking to make a transition in their career, um, what type of support do you suggest or that helped you get through that the hard time? And I'm looking at it, as you told us, your story is really kind of two various points. The point when you left the hospital and you knew after three weeks you were going to go back into corporate. And, but then, then also when you transitioned to do what your heart was calling, like what type of support did you need and do you suggest for others? Yeah, that's a great question. 
one of the things I write about in the book is expand your tribe or even thinking about reviewing your tribe, the people you surround yourself with, and almost considering a decluttering if you need to with that tribe. Because we, we become the people we hang out with the most. And sometimes there are people in your tribe that are really good for you and very supportive and helpful. And sometimes there are people in your tribe that are actually enabling poor behaviors or they're not actually as supportive as they could be. And they're, they're hurting you holistically. So, my, so what I first would suggest, and I did it for myself, is I really had to evaluate the people that I was with. And are the people that I'm with, when I was making the transition out of corporate and into my new life, some of the people that I knew in corporate, um, because I was no longer uh, in a similar role and could, let's say, help them in, in my corporate world, they vanished. They did not, you know, they did not, they no longer were part of my life, not from my choosing, but it just seemed that I wasn't what they were looking for because I wasn't, wouldn't be able to get them what they needed. So it really was an interesting transition for me um, emotionally um, and very deeply because I had to really, not only where was I looking at who I wanted to surround myself with, people were asking themselves the same. So I think it's right. it's a really really important step is to is to really look at you know your closest people that you're with and are they supporting you on your journey or are they not? I I can completely relate because I felt like through my cancer journeys there's definitely people that flocked to me because they wanted to help authentically want to help there were other people maybe that came because you know they were drawn to you know they care about me. Um, and then there were other people that didn't want to be a part of it. And, you know, this isn't an analogy in terms of, you know, everybody's life situation is different. And frankly, I mean, sometimes people vanish because they are uncomfortable with any situation. And mm-hmm. that's not something that, mm-hmm. you know, you and I don't need to judge that. Um, that may be what they need yeah. to do. Um, but we have a yeah. choice. And like you mentioned, for me, I have, I have chosen, I want to have people that will support me, whether it's my entrepreneurial journey or my, you know, health journey that can provide what I need, what I want, and hopefully like a little bit of love along, along the way. So mm-hmm. as the one of Minnesota's number one Conmary certified organizer, and you were the first to be certified in Minnesota, correct? And one of the few, if I was, only. Yeah. And can you talk to us about, I mean, obviously you've been into organizational design and as we say, beautification your entire life, as you mentioned. But can you talk to us about how the process of taking what has now become really mainstream and built this I want to call it an empire, what you're doing right now. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, I, when I left corporate, I had to, I had to get my heart into places so it could, it could feel and it could hear. So one of the first things that I did was I chose, I had read the Marie Kondo book a couple of years earlier 
I, you know, and I believe everything, as you know, because you know me very well, everything to me is divine. So when I started looking on my computer and was thinking about, you know, finding, I, I needed to test the waters, right? I couldn't just jump into a company. What if I didn't like it? Right, right. So one of the ways to test test the waters was to, I saw that Marie Kondo was having a seminar. Oh, lo and behold, two months later in Chicago, which is where my in-laws live, uh-huh. and I could join. And I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This is, this is amazing. And so why the reason I became a certified in the Komori method of decluttering that, you know, Marie Kondo made famous in her book, The Magic Art of Tidying Up, I actually was looking for my tribe. I wanted to see if these people were like me or if I was a fish out of water. And within minutes of being in the room and hearing people talk, I was like, these are my people. So that was a really important step in my journey to meet little Ness. And it was an experiment. I read a book from a Harvard uh, law school, uh, Harvard, I don't know if it was law school, a Harvard professor who wrote a book called Working Identity. And she wrote about using little experiments, crafting a bunch of little experiments so you can see, you know, when you're going to make a big change in your life, whatever that change is, you know, you talk about health. I'm talking about health changes, financial changes, work changes, people changes, you know, and she says craft these experiments to get yourself into that so you can feel and see if it's working for you. And that's what I did. The Konamari process was part of that. Well, and and what I believe is your Instagram blew up. I don't want to say overnight because I know you put a lot of hard work into it, but you are not a typical organizer. You've got this keen eye for, you know, home, office, garage, what it might be, design, um, but it's also your inspirational messaging. And that is kind of this key when you talk about the holistic guide to decluttering, it's coming full circle. Like it's not just time. It's not just physical. It's also about finding joy, finding inspiration, Mm -hmm. finding love. And, you know, you know, obviously as your friend, I find what you do and I'm connected to it, but I know like you've become popular in such a short amount of time. You're on uh, you know, national publications are calling you, you know, TV, local, regional have been calling you and and your book and you're getting a lot of publicity that's starting with that for the September release. So will you give us just a snapshot of a few of your favorite decluttering tips before we um, lead into my one of my favorite parts of the interview, which is the grateful game. But I'd love for you to give us top three or four of if people want to start decluttering what should they do? Okay, so the first thing I would say for people is if they're looking for transformational change to really consider holistic decluttering. And to me, what that means is looking at all the different areas of your life, the three big ones, which I say are stuff clutter, mind clutter, and time clutter, because they're intricately linked. And if you just try to focus on one, it's like whack-a-mole. The other ones, if you only focus on one and not the others, you're going to continually have challenges that creep up in your life. So my first tip is to really commit to holistically decluttering, really taking a look at those three big areas of clutter and, and working through those. 
And having said that, the first step is usually that I recommend is physical clutter. The reason I usually recommend physical clutter first is because it's the most common, the most known. People have taken things out of their closet once in a while, so they know that. Um, so that's my that's my second tip. The my third big tip on decluttering your like decluttering is once you've decluttered everything, that's when the magic can happen because that's organizing. So my tip is declutter first, then organize second. Same goes for all the different areas. When you declutter first and organize second, organizing is not decluttering. It is creating systems for you to be successful, creating systems in your home for you to be successful, putting stuff back, creating systems in your week, in your calendar, routines that can make you successful, and putting systems and routines into your, how you think about thinking so that you can get rid of some of that mental clutter. So the, the, that's the second phase is, you know, really getting the organization done. So those are my big three tips. Well, and, and I can say, so, you know, clearly I, I've, I've got an eye in with you helping educate me in terms of decluttering. And I will tell people that it has been transformational. And when, and, and I'll say in terms of the space, I had a lot of stuff. I'm not a hoarder by any means, so I don't have that much stuff. But when I actually picked the category with clothing, which is really where I think that you had, had led me to start with. Mm -hmm. And I started mm -hmm. looking at all the clothes I have. I took, we took everything out of my closet. We brought things from downstairs because I had things downstairs. You put it all in a room, you spread it all out. And I realized I had just a lot of stuff and a lot of, and some of that stuff I just, mm -hmm. I didn't wear, I didn't care about. I had this idea in my head. I needed to keep it because my grandmother gave it to me 20 years ago. And I will say that it was really my closet now, two and a half years after we did this decluttering project is still very similar because I found a place for everything in the, like the home of my clothes in the closet. And it's, I walk into there, it's organized. It's actually like kind of cute too. And so it's this happy space when I go in there and, and start my day out there because I'm picking out what I'm going to wear. It really, it sounds like simple, but it really has made a change. And so, yeah. you know, for those of you that don't have access to Michelle like I do, um, you do have access to her. She is on Instagram daily, whether it's putting together tips or just sharing some inspiration from um, the houses that she goes into and the clients that she works with. And so, you know, the uh, funny thing about clutter and just kind of talk about your um, classes for a second. When people are going through their things, they're actually, and you know this because you've gone through it. They're having a conversation with themselves. It's all internal. There's lots. So for me, I see fabric. You don't see fabric. You might see a first date with your husband. You yeah, might totally. see, you might, you, you might see I'm fat. You might see I'm skinny. You might see all of these conversations are happening. That's why when I talk about that, they're intricately linked. There's a whole bunch of mental clutter that happens when you're decluttering physically that people have to work through. And that's why it's such an incredible process is you're getting to know yourself. You're saying it's okay if I've made some mistakes in some of the purchases I've made. You're saying goodbye to things that you no longer 
need want or that they don't serve you. So it is a very, you know, um, it is a very restorative process because it is a conversation with yourself and you're working through things that maybe you've just kind of either not paid a lot of attention to or haven't wanted to really face. Well, that, I mean, that was true with, with everything. We did the closet. We did my papers. Now, for those of you that have been, I had taxes that my father had for me in, when I worked in college that I still had. And, you know, papers maybe aren't as fun, but when I was okay with getting rid of all these things I didn't need, and then naturally we kind of created a system. Now my workspace is a lot more efficient than it ever was before because I've been able to get out what I didn't need or that I wasn't using. And especially in today's day and age, there's ways to take things that we may think we may need and make them digital. But anyway, we could talk for hours because one, we could talk for hours, but um, also I don't want to give away everything that's in the book because the book is amazing. It's called The Holistic Guide to Decluttering, and you can get it now um, as a pre-order, but come September 20th, you can get it um, for sale in bookstores. So, Michelle, I'd love to close out this this interview with what I do. You know I do this most nights with Kyle, but the funny thing is of all the things that we do virtually together, um, we, we haven't we talk about what we're grateful for, but we haven't played the grateful game. So all it is, is I'll give our, ourselves 30, 30 seconds and I have to tell you what I'm grateful for and why. And then I bounce it to you and whoever, um, whoever has the most wins. So I'm going to start. I am grateful for this beautiful, white, soft, fluffy pillow that's in my office. Um, I got it months ago at like a, a cheap store, but yet it looks cute in my office and it's super comfortable. And I was tired earlier, so I was working and like cuddling up with it. So that will be something I'm grateful for. Clearly, I'm grateful for you being on this interview, for you being a part of my life for 25 years um, through the ups and downs of all sorts of things. And I'm also so grateful for everything you do for me now being an entrepreneur because you're such a smart businesswoman. And I'm coming up on 30 seconds. I'm grateful for this new purse that I got that's really small and camo. I got it as a birthday gift and it's great to put my cell phone in and dog treats in when I walk the dog. So, okay, I got three. I'm tossing it to you. Okay, well, I'm most grateful for my flexible schedule so that we could do stuff like this. We can live our lives together. It's been an incredible benefit for me. I am looking at these beautiful flowers that I pick from my garden in my office. I love that I can do that and bring the flowers into my office. I love my fuzzy chair in my office. Um, I love that my son has AirPods so I can talk to you on them. But I will say above all else, of all things in my life, I'm grateful for you more than anything. I am so glad every day that you're fighting this disease and you're alive and you're my best friend. Okay, you won. And not just because you said me, because you had the right number, but it doesn't matter who wins. You and all the listeners out there, I hope that you have someone, it doesn't matter who it is, but somebody that 
loves you for who you are, a friend, a significant other, a cousin, a kid that lets you be yourself and helps guide you along the way and truly guide you along the way. Because trust me, even though we are best friends, she gives me tough love a lot too, because that's what I need. (laughs) So I am so grateful again, Michelle, that you were here. Thank you to all the listeners for joining us today. I hope you've been able to see um, a little bit of inspiration and and how together that we have been able to find happiness through our hardships. And stay tuned for more great episodes coming to you soon. And please be sure to check out Michelle at Neat Little Nest. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe this podcast. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us as well. If you love us, they might too. Now, as you heard in today's episode, Michelle shares the importance of decluttering first before organizing. She and her clients have found this helpful, not only with space, but also with time and mind clutter. I encourage you to pick up a copy of her book, The Holistic Guide to Decluttering. It will take you on an interactive journey to learn how to clean out and organize key areas of your life, decluttering of your home, calendar, and mind, all in an effort to make real, lasting, positive changes. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.